Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Dimity McDowell. Hello, Dimity. Hola, hola. How are you doing today? I am good. I am good. You know what? Um, so Amelia graduated from um, eighth grade. <laughs> Although I feel like such a stupid, like, you know, in my mind, and I, you know, and I hopefully this isn't offensive to, you know, kids of moms of preschoolers that have caps and gowns because I know we celebrate a lot of good things. But from as far as I'm concerned, you graduate when you're done with high school and when you're done with college. You know, Our, like ours is called eighth grade is called commencement. Um, oh, well, they I've heard it called continuation as well, mm-hmm. um, which is I mean, I guess, you know, but it's a little bit of the. You know, every kid gets a trophy for playing soccer mm-hmm. mentality. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, eighth grade, great. I'm glad you made it through, but we got four more grades to go. Um, <laughs> so, but she she had such a cute dress. Please tell me she didn't wear a cap and gown over it. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, the okay. dress. Oh, my gosh, the dress. <laughs> <laughs> Teenagers. Oh, my. Well, that's a whole other story. We it can was, talk to Okay, put a pin in it because it was, so, it was so pretty. It was very cute. I have to tell you about that, though. Okay, so, good. um so she anyway the way just me saying ola ola so it was very cute um so they had like 55 kids in their class so it's a pretty small class and when they walked across the stage the uh the eighth grade language arts teacher said highline you know amelia davis highline academy will miss and then like wrote said like two or three things that were specific to her Mm -hmm. or to each kid right Mm -hmm. and so she said uh amelia davis highline academy will miss how you greet every day with hola hola. <laughs> like, oh, it must be our Hispanic roots that are coming through. I, <laughs> maybe I'm just used to hearing her say it. So. Oh, my God. So, okay, so tell the story about the dress. Oh, the dress. Well, it all starts with the shoes, right? When you're really tall, it has to start with the shoes. Yeah. We can't work. We can't go the other way because she has – I know when we were on it, we had uh, Sarah – Rob O'Hagan on I was or Sarah O'Hagan what was her name yeah Sarah Rob O'Hagan okay I wasn't sure I always get those you know yeah those three name people oh they're such (laughs) such a drag (laughs) so Sarah Bowen Shade and Dimity McDowell Davis yeah um so uh so anyway so you know we have big feet right and so she's in a 13 right now I mean a women's 13 (gasps) okay yeah because she's she's 6'2 She's six two. I mean, she's getting up there, you know, and mm-hmm. not that that's surprising or anything. And um, I know people are like rolling their eyes, like, "Well, what do you think?" But you know, it is hard. I remember wearing my blue, my navy blue tree torns, tree torns, which are now back again. But you know, I had to wear navy blue tree torns. You know, they had that little check of color. You get like lime green or uh-huh. lemon yellow or pink. Like, uh-huh. oh no, only navy blue because that's that was the men's style, and that's Aww. the only color that would fit me. Yeah. I know. So, you know, play the world's smallest yeah. violin for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, so we are very lucky in that there is a store called Long Tall Sally. Mm-hmm. And there are like four locations in the um, in the U.S. There, um, I think it's Detroit, Denver. I know there's one in Minneapolis and maybe Atlanta. I don't know. There's oh. four stores. And they're, they're a European company because, you know, like the Netherlands and Deutschland and some oh. other places have typically taller women yes so the european country so anyway so there is one in denver so i was like well and her shoes are i mean she wears we she can wear my shoes now mm-hmm. but you know we didn't have it it was she needed a new pair of shoes you know i'm pretty i'm pretty uh not quite as thrifty as you are but like with, <laughs> with stuff like that where it's like okay you're gonna wear them you know once or maybe a couple times a summer and then they may not fit anymore oh, you know like please I'm, you're you preaching know, the like, choir here you betcha yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but i'm like okay let's get you some shoes so Long Tall Sally is in is on the Pearl Street Mall, not the Pearl Street Mall, the 16th say, that's Street in Mall. Uh-huh. That's yeah. in Boulder. It's on the 16th Street Mall, which is not as nice as the Pearl Street Mall. It's a little bit, little less. Uh, were you around? Oh no, you weren't there. Oh my gosh, I'm telling so many stories. Anyway, Denver <laughs> Rock and Roll. Denver Rock and Roll. A couple years ago, it was me, Denise, and I think Jana, and uh, it was like the night of the zombies during the oh, expo, oh, oh. and there were all these zombies strolling I up and down the street. I remember hearing that story. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. It was really so. That's so there what were I was no zo- about. there were no zombies when you went shopping. No zombies. That's if we good. Go, yeah, and so um, and and okay. So I mean, you get a. I feel like I've told this to you, maybe not, but I mean, you know, you literally get not even a full wall of shoes to choose from. I mean, the Long Tall Sally is a clothing store and a shoes and a shoe store, and they mm-hmm. have you know. A small amount like to me it feels like oh my gosh I'm at the Nordstrom you know <laughs> walking around this spacious thing because I've never had those many choices before right but right. I mean it's not like you know if you want a pair of black sandals you maybe have two or three choices especially if you don't want to okay. wear heels a lot of those shoes have yeah. heels 
And um, so anyway, so we tried on a couple pairs. She didn't like any. And I was like, mm. okay, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to panic. I'm like, okay, let's go find a dress, you know? Uh-huh. She didn't like any of the clothes. The clothing is a little, mo- it's pretty mommy. It's even too mommy for me even sometimes. I got to so say, we uh, go- I, I do want to say that we follow uh, this that account on Instagram because of you, right? Um, I definitely, I think I might have put it up. Yeah. I mean, I, st- I yeah. started following that stuff on Twitter. Yeah. Did I no, follow it on, on Instagram it's- too? Either that or it's followed us to Instagram because I de- I'm always like, oh, yeah, okay, there's, there's, or maybe it's there's just close just- for dimity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we go look around and like the pavilions has like an H&M, a Gap, Banana Republic, um, uh, what's that? I was on called Century Twenty One, not Ann Taylor. Um, Forever, <laughs> Forever Twenty One. Forever Twenty One. You can buy a whole lot of gold colored jackets at that exactly. store. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it used to be there was it used to be the place called Century Twenty One and um, down in like Battery Park, right in um, wow. in Manhattan. Like they had really, it was like the TJ Maxx of the upscale. So they had like Ooh. really really nice stuff, but still. Okay. Uh, anyway, Forever Twenty One. Go and you know she's just so teeny right so teeny like doesn't want me to come in doesn't want my approval but then wants me to come in wants my approval like it's just I just you know I'm like okay which way is the wind blowing right now just let me know you know no dresses so we leave you know and that we don't have any shoes no dress and I'm like oh boy okay you know so like okay we'll try another day and you know and of course my she is a very sensitive little soul and she starts to get teary and I'm like pop Poppers is what I call it. Poppers, I promise you we will find you what you need. Let's go look online. Let's go look. You know, we have we have a lot of time. I left us a lot of time. Oh, good. And good. so um, we're going down the escalator, and we go in. Or they, they have, like, this one, like, glass stand um, kind of out like a, you know, it's not a – it's like a shop this, window, but it's a stand, yeah. right? It's like yeah, a standalone like a display. Thing. Uh-huh. Yep. It's a display, uh-huh. yeah. And there's one – it's a cute dress. It's black, and it's got sunflowers all over it, and I can see it hits her, caught her eye. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cute. Where is that? And um, mm-hmm. it was this place called Rosie's. And I'm like, I'm like, do you want to go look at Rosie's? Yes. Okay. So we go back up the escalator. Oh my gosh. Rosie's like, it was like right out of the Golden Girls. I mean, like, <laughs> I was just like all these, I mean, literally, and I'm not making this up. There are probably three salespeople there. Um, they, they were so tiny, tiny, like come up to like my hips and they're just like, oh, she's, you know, and they just thought she was just amazing, you know, oh, she's graduating from eighth grade and she's so tall and she's so beautiful. And, and they had like, and it was like the kind of place where like they have shirts that like slim you down and like tons of hats and tons of scarves and tons of accessories. And the, um, and so there's like one rack of dresses that had the one that she ended up wearing, which was great. Um, but, but it was supposed to, you know, it was made to put a petticoat underneath it. Like, no, like she tried no, it on no, with no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like it's oh a big gosh. circle skirt, right? You didn't have to, but I mean, it was very cute with a petticoat, I thought too, but she didn't want the petticoat, which was fine. But um, <laughs> anyway, so that's where we found, I mean, it was just like this, like, and so then we got the dress and I was like, okay, well, so now we have a dress. Do you want to just go back and try on those black sandals again that you kind of liked? Uh-huh. And um. And I mean, like the, the women were like hugging her, like when she, as she was leaving. And Amelia is so self-conscious, like she couldn't, friend. you know. I was just like, you know, trying to kind of apologize for her and laugh with her at the same uh, same time. It was a lot. Yeah. Um, but we, we went back to Long Tall Sally and got her sandals, and uh-huh. it all worked out in the end. Um, a few. Oh my goodness. But um, yeah. But then the corollary. I won't make this story quite as long. But I mean, we are entering some serious fashion. I mean, I want to say I want to say it's a pretty big like red zone because she wore uniforms for oh yeah for seven years uh-huh. and so like we went to the mall to get her screen fixed her you know like, we have she has a cover on so you can pay like five dollars to get a new screen so it doesn't you know when it cracks uh, on it, on, about. Her, on her iPhone yeah no okay okay um, and so we went there and um, I could just tell. By the way that she was looking at the teenagers walking around, that mm. like she felt very not with it. Like she had on like an old pair of my sock and shorts and like a swim t-shirt, right? <laughs> so, um, and so then we went and stopped in a couple stores just to look. And then you know, um, again she gets you know very very moody. She's like, I, mm-hmm. Mom, I don't even know what I'm going to do next year. I don't know what I'm going to wear. I'm so sick oh, of wearing, you know, I all I have is athletic shorts and t-shirts. And she's absolutely right. I mean, that's really all she has because it's summertime. Oh. 
right? Yeah. You know, well, she has that in her dress and sandals now, right? <laughs> so um, there's no in between ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, so we cleaned out all her clothes, and I mean, I, you know, as she's growing up. It's it's hard. She's just like. Mom, that's really fifth grade. I'm like, but you love this sweater. She's like, it's really fifth grade. I'm like, okay. Oh my god. I, I hear you. Oh. I hear you. So, um, we did a huge trip uh, to the big bullseye boutique. I was like, you know, uh-huh. for right now, for summertime, let's just get oh, you some yeah. clothes that you like, you know. Yeah. And I just let her. We just went, and I did not comment, and I did not suggest. I just mm-hmm. said because she picked out all the stuff I would have never picked for her. Like, really. This like kimono like thing, like shirts with laces on it. I mean, just stuff. Lots oh of not lots of jean shorts, but a couple pairs of jean shorts, which is you know all the rage apparently right now. I wouldn't know. I'm wearing my you know gap khaki shorts from 18 years ago. So, um, it was just uh, it's just been a big. It's a bit of ever starting with a dress, moving on through the. She's now she's now clothed and happy and happy with her summer wardrobe. But you know oh, they good. start school in like the middle of August, and I'm like already thinking like. Just wear a couple things. I don't want to, you know, we used to buy, did you buy like back to school clothes? Oh, I loved back to school shopping. I loved, loved, loved it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The kids, so, so kids don't, I. I don't think it, I don't think kids do that as much anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. But I'm like, we're not going to do it in August because it's going to be so dang hot still. And then, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm like, what if we buy all, to say you know black jeans because that's what you like and then you get there and everybody's wearing pink jeans like you don't mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. you know so yeah, you let's just let's, let's get mm-hmm. a sense of style first at your high school and then we'll go you know right so right right how so do how you, about how the, do you do with, i was gonna say well one can i ask that you maybe save some of her um cute hand-me-downs for when i come out there in august and bring i can bring them home to daphne Sure. Well, actually, I pass them down. I, you know, who I pass them to these days is Denise because she's got Zoe, who's about the same age as Daphne. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, good. But I will, but I will save anything for for Daphne. Yes, I will. Um, oh, good. Yeah. She she's growing quickly, so there probably will be some left. Oh, good, good, good. So, so yeah. So Phoebe, um, she. How is do you do thr- school clothes with her? She's a thrift store thrift store shopper. Say that three times. Oh, really? Fast. Okay. Yes. Oh, she loves thrift stores, and um, and so I don't go with her at all. Um, uh-huh. She she largely spends her babysitting money, and she I mean she takes the bus to get there. There's one outside of um, Portland that she t- rides the bus to get to with her friends, and she did take Daphne there once, and um, and on the way back Daphne couldn't figure out how to open up the back door of the bus, and she. Like, I guess Phoebe and her friend got off, and then they see the bus sort of start to pull away. Daphne's on there with, like, a panicked panicked look on her face. Exactly. And so finally, I guess Phoebe yelled, and and, uh, Daphne figured out what button she needed to push to make the back door open. Oh, um, my gosh. Scary. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, she – oh, gosh. I mean, Phoebe wears mom jeans like there's no tomorrow. Like she just yeah. Wears. Well, that's the high waisted thing is big, right? Uh, right now, the high waisted thing is so big. And Phoebe somehow she does not take after me. She um, has a tiny waist. It's like a twenty two inch waist or a twenty inch waist. I mean, it's just she could like be transported back to the eighteen hundreds and she wouldn't need a corset because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's got bigger rack than I do, a tiny waist, and then her jeans are so unflattering it's hard to tell. She doesn't have big hips but they're certainly bigger than her waist um well and, yeah uh, yeah so uh, so anyway so she wears like you know phoebe has um auburn hair and you know she's as pale as a piece of paper and so but she just loves things in the like reddish rust color family and yeah you, know, you you and me you know we are not red fans of the color red <laughs> and, uh, and i just yeah, always like oh yeah. Except for the, uh, it's all good i ran today shirts Oh, I know. I know. I always tell people that at expos. I'm like, oh, I'm totally not a red person, but that's the one I wear the most. Um, and so she wear, you know, I'm just like, oh, please put on something kind of green or kind of blue. And she's like, oh, and she also likes um, kind of mustardy yellow. And ugh, ugh, yes. Yeah, yeah, ugh. yes. So um, so anyway, but the, she, those are all colors. You got to have a tan or darker skin complexion to kind oh, of, you know, pull oh. off. For sure. I mean, she is, I mean, she is so, I mean, if your kids saw her now, they would be aghast at how pale she is. And all my kids are. Um, And, uh, yeah. 
Um, so, she, yeah, she she likes having a lot of clothes, and this one thrift store she goes to is really, really, really inexpensive. So she has oh, a good. wide variety of clothes. And, um, oh, good. and then Daphne just purged her. She just completely cleaned up her all her drawers, organized all her drawers, her closet. She is she is moving in the... She, she's not goth by any means, but she likes black, gray, white. So she, you know, she pretty much wears black leggings or black capris, um, like, but made sure. out of legging material um, most days. Um, oh, she got yeah. a really, really yeah. hideous pair of overalls at the consignment store. Oh, they're so <laughs> terrible. Oh, gosh. Oh. Oh. So, but she you got know a what? <laughs> It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's- you know what? It's totally so fun. And, Nikki, you look back. I mean, I don't know. I thought I had style. I mean, when I was a teenager, I so didn't. I mean, I was just a big train wreck, you know? And you just think... I think your perception of what you look like and what you really look like are two different things. Oh my gosh, right? I had or, this. Or, I had a hound. I had a um, gosh, I don't even know a tweed jacket. I had a tweed blazer, and this was in the late seventies. And you know, girls wore blazers a lot back then, or at least seventeen told me they did because whatever seventeen said, that's what I did. And yeah. um, and uh, then I had um a skinny tie. That was brown oh. with some stripes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I learned how to tie a man's tie the right way, and wow. I wore that with a striped Oxford shirt. And oh, I, I need to find my uh, I think it was seventh grade, my seventh grade school picture. Wow. Um, yeah. Oh, is, I, I think I need to see that. That is some. That is like quality. Um, <laughs> Oh, is it Ducky? Blackmail material? Uh, John John Hughes. It makes oh, me yeah. just think of like John. Hughes. Oh yeah, from uh, uh, Pretty in Pink. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, um, oh, I, I had the most hideous hair. The most hideous hair. Oh. Um. So it was just really. But at least I, I, I didn't have to wear the glasses that I'd had to wear from when I was two and a half until the end of sixth grade. I'd gotten. That's uh, something. Yes. You know what I heard is speaking of hideous hair, perms are coming back. Oh no. No way. I, I, I like lived in that, you know, that kind of, did you get permed when you were younger? No, because I have wavy hair, so it would you have do, been a yeah. train wreck. No, my mom, want, you know, we were all about the perm, and it smells like kind of that orange juice concentrate. I just, I mean, the smell <laughs> of it right now, it just, like, I could, like, summon it up in a, in, in a heartbeat. Um I will not be getting permed again if that is the case, if they are coming back. So they're gentler and kinder, kinder to your hair. You know, they don't fry them as much, but still. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. That's just a bad choice all around. Yeah, my mother um, always permed her because she has stick straight hair, and she always envied my wavy hair. And then, of course, as a person with wavy hair, up until recently, I completely want. yeah. wanted straight hair. So you're never happy yeah. with what you got. You can't always get <laughs> what you want. That's right, Mick. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, so yeah. yeah. Uh, so she, hopefully she never hears this podcast because she'd be horrified. But I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And I'm sure, if you can't relate, if you don't have a 13-year-old daughter, you can relate from your own experience. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like clothes are such a – I mean, I remember just trying on – outfits and outfits oh, before yeah. football games and <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm a little nervous about school I gotta say if anyone has any ideas on because she's never had to pick a I mean she had dress down days right oh, and those mm-hmm. were kind of she's always like oh what should I wear and I can't wear that because I've already worn that you know oh, two months boy. ago uh-huh. so I'm like thinking like we got it we're gonna might have to like do it the night before or you know I don't oh, know boy. I mean I don't oh, want to manage it, but you know, like I don't know. Does does Phoebe have clothing crises before school? Oh, never, 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 never. never. So, okay. um, and no, and you, I think you're gonna find though that also she won't want any input. I mean, you know, when Daphne wears those overalls, I'm like, no, Daphne, you, those you really you can't wear those overalls like that. Like she's like, yeah. mom, mom, and um, so <laughs> you don't yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, no, you don't know how cool I look right now. <laughs> And then, um, I mean, John will still, though, he'll, I'll be like, hey, John, you want me to lay out an outfit for you? Yeah, sure. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I did that. This just happened the other day. And I, so I put out an outfit on his bed and then he comes downstairs in a totally different outfit. I said, well, why didn't you put on the outfit I, I laid out for you? He goes, you laid it out for me. Where is it? I said, it's on the, on your bed. He goes, oh, I thought th- those were clothes I just left there. <laughs> like as in that he had like discarded them, you know, cause his things are yeah, just, you know, yeah. dropped all around oh, the house. So funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then meanwhile, I've got Mr., you know, I don't wear shorts that need to be buttoned, and because he's going to a different school next year as well, so he's out of the uniform. Yeah. Um, so no shorts, so gym shorts and a t-shirt, and like he's literally like, 
I'm just gonna wear this, and then they, you know, they, then he wears that to bed, and then he gets up the next. I mean, oh during yeah, the summer, oh, I'm like. Okay, Ben, we're going to have to at least change your shirt. Um, hopefully your underwear, maybe maybe twice a week. Let's aim for that. You know, like your teachers are going to like report me to this, like child protective service. I will say that to John. I'm like, John, you can't wear that shirt again. Or he likes wearing shirts that we got for free. Like, you know, the summer reading shirts or the, sure, you know, sure. yeah, the yeah. foot traffic track shirt. And I'm like, John, we do actually on occasion, on rare occasion, pay for a shirt. Could you like let people know that? <laughs> He's like, mom, no one cares. No one cares but you and, and the know, same thing with totally you know Wayne, <laughs> yeah so so the same thing when he wears like you know the same shirt on Wednesday that he wore on Monday I'm like John you just wore that no one notices mom don't worry about it and I'm yeah, like uh-huh. yeah 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 and then so. chances are the the ones that are you bought or that you think are super cute are like in a corner in the closet or his drawer because Ben <laughs> yeah. just like pulls off whatever's on top like he doesn't you know there's no there's no oh, there's, reason to you know right there's no going through oh my gosh and then John was wearing a shirt the other day and I'm like wow that shirt looks really small on him John who is 11 and so I took a peek at the back of it oh it's a size small six seven <laughs> <laughs> Weird with his skinny jeans still. <laughs> he uh, he has left jeans largely behind. He um he oh, okay. he wears a lot of shorts and he wears a lot of um not sweatpants because he doesn't like the ones that are um uh, bunchy at the bottom. Like he wears it's made out of sweatshirt yeah. material, but they are open at the bottom. What would you call? Yeah, them? like athletic pants. I would call them. Ath- I mean, they are sweatpants, but they're athletic pants. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, like a lot of a lot of men's. I mean, boys' pants and men's pants have that cuff at the bottom now or the elastic i'm like mm-hmm. yeah it looks like you're going back to like new kids on the block you know like we're not quite <laughs> right. not quite there yet <laughs> right i did daphne did get a pair of um their little jeans is a little bit of a stretch that have that at the bottom um we got those an extra small in the women's department of target just um, about a week ago so oh, okay um, yeah because nice. you know track pants are in and oh they um, are for sure yeah, yeah. So, and you and you and me. I mean, when we wear them, it's like, oh uh, yeah, they're supposed to be full length on you. Um, <laughs> so I try to pretend like it's cool to pull them up a little bit, and realizing <laughs> that they don't reach all the way to the to my ankle. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I well, we, will... we have to stop talking. Cl- I mean, we could talk close for an hour. Like, this oh, is I a know. whole little conversation. Um, but we gotta uh, welcome our awesome, awesome guest, Sarah Bowen Shea. Speaking of three words. Excellent idea. Excellent idea. So it's become a tradition of our show to have a dad as a guest for the Father's Day edition of the AMR podcast. I'm not sure you knew that we had lots of traditions. Um, I like that. Um, So this year, thanks to a friend of a friend connection via Adrian Martini and a hashtag campaign on Twitter, we have Peter Sagal as our guest. Peter is the longtime host of the NPR News Quiz, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Peter is also a playwright, humorist, and contributing editor to Runner's World magazine. Peter is also a father runner, having run more than a dozen marathons. We'll chat with Peter right after this quick break. Please stay tuned. Peter Sagal, we are honored to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for the in- incredibly persistent campaign to get me. Not- <laughs> and, and, and thank you for laying off the campaign, ladies. <laughs> Exactly. Well, it's nice to be wanted, right? Um, so, Peter, tell us a little bit about your athletic background. You've admitted to becoming a quote-unquote more serious runner a little over a decade ago. Yeah, I, I did not have much of an athletic background. I was the quintessential non-athletic nerd growing up <laughs> in uh, in seventies New Jersey. I did not compete uh, in any uh, pretty much athletic thing because I didn't. I wasn't very good at it, and uh, I learned early on that. If you're not good at something, the, the simplest and most efficient way of handling that is to simply stop doing it. <laughs> um, I particularly uh, uh, wasn't good at like all those organized sports, and I'm still not. I mean, it's, it's you know those those things that require you to like have actual skills. Uh, mm-hmm. no, not for me. However, when I was about 15 years old, I and I've told the story a couple times. Um, uh, especially in Runner's World, where, by the way, I'm not a contributing uh, editor. I, I, oh. I'm an I'm, I'm occasional columnist. Oh, all right. Okay, sorry about that. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> but I decided when I was 15, my father was a big enthusiastic runner, part of that 70s running boom mm-hmm. uh, we've heard so much. And uh, one day when I was about 15, I, I decided to try it myself. And I went with him one early morning and managed to keep it up and, man- and, and had a decent sort of high school era running career. I even ran one season on my cross-country team. Uh, and that was sort of my first personal running boom. I ran a lot of 10Ks around New Jersey. 
um, even one half marathon, which at the time seemed impossibly long. <laughs> but then, uh, and then sort of let it go, like a lot of people do when they get to college, and then after, uh, I became at best an intermittent jogger. And that lasted well for some decades until I turned 40, where I had a classic midlife crisis, i.e. I was turning 40, and it was like, oh my God, I'm turning 40, I'm going to die. Oh no. Um, well, I know, if I run a marathon, I won't die. Sure, sure. Yep. And I did, and I haven't, so clearly it worked. <laughs> so, and you've qualified for and run the Boston Marathon numerous times. Yeah, yeah. I, I've run the Boston Marathon five times, two times as a qualified entrant. Uh, three times as a guide for visually blind runners. I did that, of course, I, I'd say most famously in 2013. Uh, I crossed the line with my, my guidee that day, a guy named William Greer, about four minutes before the bomb went off. And yeah, so I've, I've, I've done okay. I, I don't know how. I don't have any natural talent, but as somebody once said about me, and they meant this, as praise, and I accepted it as such. They said, Peter's not a very talented runner, but he is stubborn. <laughs> so so you're not a naturally speedy runner? It's something you really have to hone? I, well, let me put it this way. If you looked at me, you'd be like, that guy runs? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't look <laughs> or act like the uh, traditional, you know, ectomorphic runner. I'm not particularly skinny or slender or aerodynamic. I look like a, well, I look like what I am, which is a short, stocky Jewish guy. <laughs> but you got the smooth, you know, part of your head's smooth, so that's kind of aerodynamic, yeah, right? I, I don't have a lot of aerodynamic, I don't have a lot of, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm very aerodynamic, at least uh, cranial-wise. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. Yep. There you go. Mm -hmm. Well, so so you're not, nat you know, you're not naturally gifted, but so what motivates you to keep running? What motivates you to put in the miles? Well, it's a, a lot of things, um, you know, partially, and, and these are all things I've written about, so I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm sort of revealing anything to you that's, well, it's all embarrassing, but I've already embarrassed myself. Uh, one part of it uh, is that when I was growing up, as I said to you, I wasn't very athletic, but worse than that, I was kind of pudgy and slovenly and slow. I was a little, uh, I, I wasn't obese, but I was a fat little kid, and like anybody who was fat at any time in their youth, I think this is true, you'll always be, um, I don't know what the word is, obsessed, terrified of becoming fat again. So a, a lot of it for me is just sort of trying to, well, quite literally, run away from the person that I believe I once was and fear I might be again, if I can be poetic about it. But there's also, you know, uh, you know like I said, I, I wasn't talented enough in terms of like organized sports, uh, be it baseball or, or anything like that, to, to qualify, uh, I, I, you know, funny, it's funny I use that word. To succeed, I, I think one of the sad things about youth sports in America, and I've seen this with my own daughters, is they really early sort you out into those who are good at it and those who are not good at it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not good at it, you're discouraged from pursuing it, which I think is a terrible mistake. So for me, running became in late life a chance for me to experience all those astounding benefits that I think athletics give anybody. Um, be they the lessons of discipline, uh, you know, of effort, of continuing uh, application of yourself to pursuing a goal, all those things that, you know, make sports of any kind worthwhile. So, I mean, I, I really gained a lot. I mean, I like to say if I had, you know, put as much energy, dedication, and discipline into doing like, say, you know, my writing as I did into trying to qualify for Boston as a marathoner, I probably would have won the Nobel Prize by now. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, and are you still doing yoga? Um, and yeah, I'm still doing yoga intermittently. I think that's important, uh, not only because, like I said, I'm, 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 I'm getting older and, mm -hmm. uh, and could use the flexibility. But I also think it's like, I mean, I think there's a, there's a certain quality that I used to mock, it's meditative gentleness. Mm. That I actually now, as a as, as a as a sadly middle-aged man living in the world in which we do, kind of cherish. It's really nice to be gentle and meditative, given that every day seems to be uh, horrifically combative and alarming. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to check out from all of that for an hour mm -hmm. and uh, you know think about other things. Mm -hmm. So and, and what else are you doing to uh, try to combat the ravages of aging? <laughs> <laughs> You know, other than just handing myself over to it, you know, I mean, there's a real benefit. I mean, you know, the one thing, like when you turn 40, which I did, 
you're like, oh no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to fight back. Mm -hmm. And then you turn 50, which I did two years ago, and then you're like, you know, this is great. I'm 50. I don't have to pretend anymore. <laughs> and you can happily hand yourself over to the decline. I recommend it. Huh. I find I've become a lot more um, patient with other people since I've turned 50. Than... Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of things. One thing I think a lot about is all the things that used to upset me and or obsess obsess me uh, even 10 years ago, let alone 20 or 30, I look back at them and just laugh uh -huh. that I thought those things were important. Yeah, yeah. I find that particularly when I'm behind the wheel of a, a car. Um, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. We'll all get there. We're all trying to do our best as we go down this road together. So yeah. kind of like life. Yeah. So, so, all right, Peter. So us mother runners and me in particular love TMI topics. Um, thus you have to overshare with us about your GI woes while running, which you wrote. Well, Lord knows I can't, I can't claim that's private because I wrote about it. Yep. 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 It's a funny story about that because I, I said to my editor years ago, I said, if you ever get the column from me on, uh, on, on pooping, you will know that I have run out of ideas. <laughs> And that was like now 10 columns ago, so I guess I was wrong. Now the current standard for my becoming you know, completely barren of anything interesting to say about running is when I submit the column, should it be right, left, right, or left, right, left? <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. So have you um, gotten to the um, bottom of the, your problem with pooping, or is it this is well, an ongoing thing? Well, uh, basically, I've actually, since publishing the article, I have solved the problem, oh. and I did it in kind of a... A kind of well, I mean, it's it's a common sense way. I just get up earlier. Uh huh. There you go. And I get up earlier, and usually about an hour before. I mean, I had to rearrange my schedule. Like I no longer join my friends at five thirty or six a.m. I get up at six a.m. and then you know let things work their way to their natural conclusion, and then head out about seven. Wow. So, and, so uh, you find then, that works. Uh, I, it, do, it does. I mean, uh, on occasion, on long, long runs, I need to make an extra stop, but that's okay. What I'm trying to avoid is the, uh, is, is, is the you know, the, the sudden nuclear explosion, which has been more of a problem. <laughs> My uh, running partner, she calls it um, the turtle. She'll sometimes just have to stop, and she bends over, and she's like, the turtle is making an appearance. I just, just need to, <laughs> the turtle needs yeah. to go back in its shell. So I don't want I don't want to even think about where that uh, figure comes from. I'm just going to block it from my mind. So, um, so anyone who listens to Wait Wait knows you travel to different cities around the country to record the show. Um, I got to see you at Red Rocks, which was awesome. Oh, that was fun. That was a really good show, and I loved you saying um, we would like to delay the show 15 minutes because everybody had you know getting up to that amphitheater is kind of a haul. And you were like, yeah, it's the yeah. NPR crowd, so you know they're like over 50, you know, and gasping for breath. Um, exactly. So, um, so, but we've heard you often run with locals in those cities. Is that the case? And if so, how do you do. find people? Like, do you put it out on Twitter? Do you, like, find people? Well, I, I, I've been doing this less. Um, I, I should do it more because every time I've done it, it's been a very positive experience. But a lot of times, uh, in the past, what I've done is I've put out a call on Twitter. Um, sometimes that works. A, a few more times I get in touch with the local running group and say, hey, I'm coming to town. And, and basically I do it selfishly um, because A, uh, it's nice to run with company, and B, usually the local runners know the good places to go. Sure. If, I'm, you know, if I'm in a new city I've never been to, I'll end up running in the wrong place. I remember, for example, I was in Charlotte. North Carolina once and ended up just you know running through the worst section of town. It was, a, you know, and, and it would have been nice to contact somebody to know where best to go. So I've had some lovely runs in the company of uh, locals, and I, 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 you know, and I've never been murdered um, <laughs> or abducted uh, uh -huh. or anything or hit up for money. Yeah, one of my one of my uh, rules is that uh, generally speaking, most people who run. Are, are lovely people, at least for the duration of your run. Mm -hmm. I, I've never, I, like I said, in all the, and I've, I must have run at this point with thousands of strangers, nobody has ever, I've never regretted it. So I think that speaks well of our community, don't you? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Is there a, yeah, is there a sure. run that sticks out in your mind that you were like, wow, I'm really glad I did that? I mean, you said you'd like to do them all, but. There have been a bunch. There was a wonderful run with in, uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska, oh. with the local running group there through the pine forest that was just amazing. There was a run uh, with a, a running group in Oklahoma City taking me to parts of the town I would never would have uh, ventured myself. There was a great run 
in Seattle once. Uh, I called up the running store and I wondered if they had an organized run and they didn't, but eventually the guy said, well, I'll go with you. And I met these two local ultra runners and we had a really nice sort of tour of downtown. So I've been very, very lucky uh, in terms of the people I've met. And, uh, and I, there was a one great run I took, uh, which I wrote about for the magazine, up in, I think it was the first time I've ever been there. Um, and if so, I'm very grateful to this guy because it remains one of my very favorite places, which is uh, Leaf Erickson Park oh. or Leaf Erickson Road in Forest Park in Portland. I was hoping you were going to say that because I know you come to Portland a fair bit. You know, I'm in Portland. So, um, oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So nice. Um, yeah. No, I love that. I, I mean, I've gotten to the point where if I go to Portland and I don't get a run in up there, I, I feel like I've missed out. It's probably... If you were to hold a gun to my head, my favorite place to run. Wow! Oh, yeah, I love it. I mean, it's just beautiful. You know, this beautiful forest that's right by the city that you know it's easy to get to. Yeah. And do and you stay on Leaf Erickson, or do you go off on some of the single track? I've I've done both. I usually, I guess, I guess I should get more local guides, frankly, because uh, I, I usually just go out and back on Leaf Erickson, although. I know there are a lot of wonderful single tracks that uh, go up and down. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you can also start higher than that. So you can be up on Wildwood, which is um, like a, I don't know, 29 or 30 mile uh, single track. And then the smaller ones that you see off of Leaf Erickson connect up to Wildwood. So yeah. it's kind of like two parallel roads, for lack of a better term, and you can kind of zip I in I think between. I've been up on Wildwood once or twice, but I really should, as uh, I will take, uh, I will definitely expand my, um, expand my repertoire of runs next time I'm there. Okay, well, if you slow your slow your roll a little bit, I uh, I can get some mother runners and we'll go with you. Uh, I think slowing my roll is becoming less and less of a concern as it is slowed for me. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. All right. Good. So uh, so perusing the roster of marathons you've run, Boston, Chicago, New York, Philly, Twin Cities, it seems like you love to run in big urban races. Is that yeah? And that's something that I've noticed too. And I, I you know, as I think about my my future, I don't think I'll be running very fast, or certainly won't be running for a PR anymore. I, I'd very much like to expand my repertoire. I've never run, for example, the trail marathon. I've mm -hmm. never run a marathon with less than even 10,000 participants, let alone in the you know, hundreds. So I'd very much like to do that. Uh, that said, urban marathons are great fun, and I recommend them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you have some in mind, then? I don't. There's a local race here in Chicago. Oh, excuse me. I, 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 I misspeak. Here in the Midwest, the Grand Rapids Marathon that many friends of mine have run quite successfully and speak very well of. Mm. Um, I'd love to run. I know this is still a big one. I'd love to run Big Sur someday only because I love that country so oh, much. it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, the California International Marathon, I have an invite to go run that. I'd like to do some marathon tourism. I'd love to do like, you know, sure, big city marathons, but different big cities, Paris or Berlin. I'd love to do the Loire Valley Marathon. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've run a marathon. The last one was the spring of 2015. Mm. And I'm, I'm trying to get myself back into it for this fall because it used to be that if a year went by and I didn't run a marathon, I hadn't thought I'd spent that that well. Oh, yeah. So I need to get back into that. Mm -hmm. So do you have do you have a race that you have your eye on for this fall, or a half marathon? You training for anything? Well, uh, or? it's a long story, but uh, I, I'm I'm thinking of trying to go back to New York to run it for a, a, a variety of reasons that are kind of complicated to explain. But um, but if it works, I'll let you know. Uh, I have <laughs> I have a plot that will. If it all works out, we'll have me running New York for the benefit of a particular charity to name later, and i got to see if it works out. But uh, the pieces are coming into place. Oh, we like plots and schemes. That's good. Yeah. Plots, it is a plot. It is a scheme. It involves all kinds of nefarious elements. But <laughs> good, good. If it works out, um, I'll, I'll be running New York for a charity, but I don't know which charity, and I don't know if I can actually pull it off. Sweet. All right. Well, so you talked about a little bit about running with team with a vision, which... You're guided, partially sighted runners. Tell us what those mm -hmm. experiences are like, and especially at a race like Boston, where you don't get a lot of, they are crowded, right? You don't get a lot of wiggle room. No, no, you certainly don't, which is, of course, why they need you. Um, I, I, again, I, I, I've told the story before, and, and probably will again before I'm done, but basically it was the spring, early year, I guess even before the spring, obviously, of 2013. I had, I had uh, set a PR in the marathon, a good one, in 2011. Hadn't run a marathon in 2012. I was traveling too much and was thinking about you know, what marathon I would run again, or if I even wanted to run a marathon, I didn't think I could beat my PR, as I said. And I had kind of, I guess for a variety of reasons, I, the, the, the tank was not, shall we say, full. I mean, there's something about achieving a goal that makes you wonder what to do next. When I got a call from a guy named Josh Warren, who at that time ran Team with a Vision, that's the fundraising athletic arm for the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired, MABV. Mm -hmm. 
And he asked me if I, you know, wanted to run Boston as a guide for a blind runner. And that struck me as the perfect solution to sort of that problem of lack of motivation. I had I had sort of run out of reasons to run marathons for my own self, so why not run it for somebody else? Mm -hmm. And I ended up doing it three times. Uh, the first time, of course, was 2013, and that got involved in the bombing. We were about 100 yards away, and I've done it twice since. And it's a really, um, it's, a great, it's a great reason to run a marathon. I mean, if you start running, it's like, well, why am I doing this for myself? What am I accomplishing? Well, here's an answer. Why don't you run it for somebody else? Uh, somebody else's motivations to run seem much more admirable than your own. So I will help this person achieve his goal or her goal. Mm -hmm. uh, although in the, in the case of my runs, all three of the people I guided were men. Or actually, they were both men. I guided one guy twice. So it's a really, it's a wonderful motivating thing. And if, if you can do it, I highly recommend it to anybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Do you have practice so runs with you, them? I'm just curious. Like, I just, like, are you meeting them for the you first time? You should. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, everybody, you know, every, every, runner with a disability, whatever it may be, has their own preference on how they need to be guided. Uh, and so it's a good idea if you're going to help them to find out what that is. That usually involves practice runs. Um, uh, but I, in my case, I travel in, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guide to be named later. I pop in at the last minute. So in both cases, again, I ran with two different people, one twice. I basically talked to them beforehand. I said, well, what do you need? What do you want? What do you like? And they told me, and we managed to work it out in the course of running a marathon. One of yeah. the nice things about a marathon, of course, is you're out there for a while, so you have time to figure it out. Right, right. And so were you the only guide? Because I know sometimes they have multiple guides for one I, runner. I was the first two times. The second time, I was one of two. And mm -hmm. that was my own ask. I wasn't confident in my shape to finish the marathon. And it's oh. one thing to contemplate oh gosh, I don't know if I can finish this, I'll go do it anyway. And it's another thing to say, oh, I don't, I, I don't know if I can finish this, so I'm risking really disappointing and ruining the day of somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I asked that year for a second guide. And, and so we, there were two of us, and it, it, it was great. It, it, it's, it's often done for runners, for mm -hmm. blind runners, uh, and it's a wonderful way to do it because, oh, you know, again, if, if uh, it turns out I was able to finish, but if I hadn't been, the mm -hmm. other runner is able to take over. Um, it's a lot easier to go fetch water. I mean, for example, yeah, just this simple thing. Uh, if your runner needs a drink, you don't have to lead a blind person into the crush by the by the Gatorade uh, mm -hmm. table, mm -hmm. the aid station. You just run a, one of you can run over, get it, and bring it back to him. So just little things like that. Mm -hmm. Two guides, if possible, uh, make for I think a more successful run. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've alluded now a couple times to the 2013 and how you were just a. a Sounds like about a hundred yards, maybe ahead of where the blasts happened. Yeah, we had uh, just crossed the finish line, and because we had a pretty tough day, we weren't moving very quickly. Mm -hmm. So even though it was four minutes later, we hadn't moved very far. So my best guess, and I've gone back to the spot and stood there and tried to estimate it, is that we were a hundred yards uh, away from the bombing, beyond mm -hmm. the finish line. Mm -hmm. So I know you you speak about it in front of groups, um, um, you know, and I realize that takes a little bit longer than a couple minutes. But could you kind of just give us a shortened version of what that was like? Well, yeah. I mean, what's really weird about it is that we, by myself, I mean, by we, I mean myself, William Greer, the guy I was guiding, and everybody else around us actually knew less about what had just happened than anybody else on the planet. And mm -hmm. by that, I mean, we didn't have our phones. We had just run a marathon. We didn't run with our phones. They were making no announcements mm -hmm. at the site of what had happened. And even though we were very close to it, we couldn't really see it because, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've been to the Boston Marathon finish line, but any major marathon finishing line will conjure the image. The finishing line itself is a big superstructure, and it's surrounded by steel and, and trellises and, and scaffolding and signage and, and, you know, camera platforms. And so all of that stuff was between us and the bomb site. Mm -hmm. We didn't see it, although we obviously could hear it. It was quite close. We had no other way of getting information, and we were told to move away as quickly as possible. So, you know, whatever instinct I might have had to go see what the hell that was, because I had never experienced anything like that before, was sort of overwhelmed by my responsibility to take care of this blind guy who I just ran a marathon with. So for the next 10, 15 minutes, while the world looked on with horror at the first images, um, we were just, you know doing what you do after a marathon, which is like picking up bananas and getting a medal around our heads and, and hmm. stuff like that. It was sort of this bizarre little pocket of innocence hmm. while the rest of the world was going, oh my God, this is horrible. Hmm. It wasn't until we got out of the chute and we saw the chaos sort of around us that we realized something really terrible about it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Did it seem particularly frightening because you're with someone who couldn't see, who no matter what well, their vantage I mean, point was? Again, I, one of the one of the things I'm very very careful to do whenever I talk about this is is ever imply that in any way I had a problem that matched or even approached the problems being experienced by a whole lot of other people that day in that mm-hmm. place. So, mm-hmm. for example, yeah, I had a blind guy and I had to get him out of the chute to his to our meeting place so we could meet his wife and get his stuff back. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, put aside the, the actual victims, the people who were dealing with, with life-threatening injuries not 100 yards away. There were about, among the, I don't know how many people, probably more than 1,000 runners who weren't allowed to finish the race. Remember, mm-hmm. they blocked yeah, it off yeah. about a mile short of the finish line, told everybody they had to stop and get off the course. Among those people were about 20 or more blind runners mm-hmm. who were with Team of the Vision. Mm-hmm. They were out there. They didn't have phones. We had no idea, or rather, the Josh Warren, the organizer, had no idea where they were, mm-hmm. uh, and their guides had no idea where to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only meeting place that we had was right off the finish line. That whole area was being cut off. So presumably, you know. So there. I mean, uh, suffice to say, we had it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the reasons, of course, we had it easy was because, and I've written about this with great admiration. William Greer, even though he was having a really hard day in the course, having to stop a lot, having a lot of cramps, uh, muscular and otherwise, he really gutted out the last mile mm-hmm. at my urging. Because I was like, man, you can't walk through the last mile of the Boston Marathon. you got to run that. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. the Amateur Olympics. You can't walk down below the street. Mm-hmm. So he did it. He really gutted it out. And by virtue of the fact that he ran that, giving wow. his you know, last measure of devotion, uh, we were safely beyond the bombing site when it went off. Wow. If he hadn't run, if he had walked like he really wanted to do, who knows where it would have been. We would have been among the many runners uh, cut off on the course, or maybe we would have been a lot closer to the bombing, and it would have had a much, much, much more uh, visceral mm-hmm. and visual experience of that whole incident than I ended up having. So I owe a lot to his courage. Even though he didn't know that he was saving us, he kind of did. Wow, wow. Thanks for sharing that. Um, shifting topics just a little bit. Um, a lot of mother runners listened with great interest to your candid interview on the podcast called The Hilarious World of Depression, in which you first publicly yes. admitted that you've struggled with depression for most of your life. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, I, you know, everyone's, everyone's different, but I've, I've been in your shoes. And I'm just curious. I mean, running is definitely the way that I get myself balanced and straight and positive and get you know get in the right spot and I'm wondering how much of your motivation um, to run is, is is for your mental perspective well it's funny I never said to myself ah I know running will cheer me up and yet it has had that effect on me for for you know all the periods of my life in which I've pursued it avidly uh, both back when I was a teenager and had, you know all kinds of anxieties and now I mean, and the, and the medical effects are, uh, you know, we all know, we've all read the studies about endorphins and about, you know, oxytocin and all those other chemical runners high. I mean, it is, it is more or less established scientifically that cardiovascular exercise is a natural antidepressant. Um, I can't say I, I, I knew that. I mean, I, I never said to myself, at least early on, oh, I know, I will go out and I will run five miles and that will increase the the numbers, the the levels of certain chemicals in my brain. I just knew inherently that I was happier when I was running regularly than when I wasn't. Um, Again, something I wrote about, I was hit by a car on my bicycle back in 2010 and, and couldn't run for a good few months and really felt terrible. I mean, just, you know, I felt terrible because I couldn't run, and I felt even worse because I didn't have running to make me feel less terrible about not being able to run. <laughs> right. It's a vicious cycle, it's a vicious right? Circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I also, I, I mean, there are so many other kind of effects. Uh, just being outside mm-hmm. for one helps a lot. Uh, talking about the, you know, just like being out someplace like the, you know, Leaf Erickson Trail or Forest Park in Portland, just being out in the trees. Mm-hmm. You don't have to run, just being there will make you feel better. Um, getting out of your uh, getting out of your routine. One thing I often talk about in terms of my traveling is that if I didn't go for a run every time we visited a city, my experience would be car, airport, plane, airport, car, hotel, mm-hmm. restaurant, hotel, performance venue, hotel, car. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it would just be a series of boxes. Mm-hmm. And so the only break in that routine is like getting the hell out of the hotel and going for a run, and and that has 
you know, ended up and brought me to some unpleasant places, or at least ugly places, but it's also brought me to mountains and uh, college campuses and, you know, memorials and statuary, and it's, you know, just, just getting out of your own sort of the habit trail of modern life, <laughs> the interconnected tubes, I think is good for you. Uh, and it also, one thing I've become something of an advocate for, although I don't do this as much, certainly with recent events, as I used to, is not running with headphones, mm. which everybody does. Um, and, and the reason I do that is because, uh, you know, you will, we're talking on a Monday afternoon, and as soon as we're done, I'm going to go back to my desk and stare at my computer, which I'll do for the rest of the day. Uh, maybe I'll go home tonight and I will, like, watch something on Netflix or so on and so forth. And while traveling, I'll have headphones in listening to a podcast. I, I, I think it's important to cut off the input for a little while, mm -hmm. um, and, and a, a, a daily run is a good time to do that. Just leave the phone at home and just run and see what happens, and see, let your own thoughts shake out as ugly sure. as they may be. I think that's. Are you a important. data geek? Like, can you run what we call naked? You know, like no headphones and no GPS or time or anything. Or do you like to know your mileage? I, I do. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to my um, my running watch. I have a Garmin, probably the fourth or fifth one I've owned. Uh, and I will do that on occasion, is just run out, but I'm usually, I, I'm, let me put it this way, I'm rarely in a circumstance where I can take as much time as sure. I want. Mm. So I, I need a watch on. I've, in fact, I, I bought my first Garmin it was many, many years ago. It was the first edition of the Garmin, that one that looked like a little brick in your wrist. <laughs> yep. uh, and I bought it because uh, it was, we were somewhere, I couldn't even tell you it so long, we were doing our show. We finished working at, you know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. We had a reception at like six and I went for a run and I got lost. Mm. Uh, and I didn't realize how far I'd run and I, it took me too long to get back. And so, you know, I was all I could do to jump in the shower and get down to this reception. So I was standing at this reception still sweating like a <laughs> son of a bitch. Basically apologizing to everybody. And literally I said, I'm so sorry. The reason I'm covered with sweat is I went for a run and I got lost. I didn't realize how far I went. And he said, you know, they have these watches now to tell you how far you've gone. <laughs> And this was more than 10 years ago, back when that seemed like a miracle. So the next thing I had, I bought myself a little more brick to put on my wrist, and that's why I do it. Oh, my goodness. So if we could spend another minute on the um, hilarious world of depression, um, yeah. is it prying to ask if uh, the situation with your daughters has changed since you recorded that first episode? Uh, no, it is not prying, but sadly the answer is no, it has not changed, except some, somewhat for the worse. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Okay, so let's shift some gears. Um, you're the host of a game show, so we've got to do a lightning round of questions oh. with you. So um, the first one, oh, what's on your, you kind of already answered this, but bucket list race. If you had to do one race, only had one more race for the rest of your life, what would it be? Gosh, that is a really, you know, funny, I've never thought about it. Like I said, I have all these lists of, of things that I've, 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 I would like to do, but I've, I can't say that I've, uh, I've, uh, I, I've done. I'd let, I, let me think. What would be a bucket list race if I could only do one? I've talked about Big Sur because I love it out there. I don't know if I could do it, but that doesn't. That seems too typical. I don't know. What do you guys think? What should be my bucket list? My oh. bucket list. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. You know what I'd love to do? There's a there's a run in Colorado near where my brother lives over the Imogen yes. Pass. Yes, I want to do that race too. The Imogen Pass race. Yes. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do that race. Uh, I know about it. My brother lives in Ridgeway, uh, which is just up the valley from Bray where the race starts. And this is the race, for those people who don't know, it's a race that goes from Uray, Colorado to Telluride, Colorado, which by, as they say, you know, the hawk flies is not that far. It's probably five or six miles. It just happens to go up and over a mountain <laughs> range. Uh, and you're running on, you know, Jeep roads and paths. And I've, I've, I'd love to do that. That sounds like a really spectacular thing. I agree. I think it's 17 miles, too, or something around there. It's a very odd number. So there's no, yeah. you know, there's no expectation. Yeah, but, I mean, most of that is, but, but most of that is, like, up and it's, then down. It, it, the, the problem is, is that, you know, the, the, the linear distance between the two cities is not indicative of how far it takes. All right. So you've talked about your love of being outdoors. What weather conditions would send you to a treadmill? Uh, I have run, it's funny, uh, I used to pride myself on running in any situation. I've run in, you know, 95 to 100 degree heat and minus five. Mm. Uh, that's less true. And <laughs> keep in mind, I hate treadmills mm -hmm. more than anybody I know, I think. I just loathe them. Uh, 
But um, these days, I don't run outside if it is over more than 90 degrees, if I have a choice about the matter. And I don't run outside if it's below uh, 10 degrees or if it's really snowy because okay. I don't want to slip and break something. Mm-hmm. That's an old man thing to say, but nonetheless, it's true. <laughs> we respect that, yeah. So that's like, so I guess like between 10 degrees, that's an 80 degree range. That's not so bad. Not at all. Yeah. All right, so you just finished a marathon. What's your favorite post-race meal? Um, I am a huge fan of Chinese noodles. Mm. Um, I like them before a race and I like them after a race. I have this very vivid memory of finishing the New York Marathon in 2009. And it was a tough race. I really cramped up. And so by the time it was over, I was not only dehydrated and tired, but I had a hard time walking. And I remember with my various friends who had run the race, we found our way down Broadway to a place called Ollie's Noodles, which at least that location no longer exists. It makes me sad. <laughs> and it's no longer there. And we had these big bowls of like salty Chinese noodle soup. And we all agreed it was the perfect post, post-race meal because it had lots of carbs, but also lots of salt nice. and liquid. And it was just, it was warm. It was also, you know, it was, it was a cold, we were cold. It was a cold day. And it was just very comforting and lovely. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite thing to do. Nice, nice. All right, so favorite running route in the Chicago area? Well, it's got to be the lakefront. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get to, you know, the kind of trail that you have access to in Portland or San Francisco or even L.A., there is public land, but it's pretty far out and, and somewhat constricted. So really the pride of, of Chicago running is our lakefront path. Unlike, I mean, if you go to, and I could go on about this, Chicago was saved from making a lot of the mistakes that other Midwestern cities made in the 19th century by, um, by a guy named uh, Burnham and his uh, plan for the city after the fire. And one of the things that Daniel Burnham decreed was that the lakefront shall be, in his phrase, forever free. Hmm. So what that meant was is that there are no buildings between Lakeshore Drive and the lake. It's just 20 miles of public land, parkfront, with a running path, a bike path as well, that is just beautiful and filled with people on every summer weekend. And is just a, you know, it's in, you know, you run on the front porch of the city, the views change as you go, the lake is always to your side. And it's really quite spectacular. I've never seen another waterside path like that that uh, in an urban setting. I think it's it's really kind of our pride mm-hmm. of Chicago. Do you get do you get yeah yeah do you yeah. get do you get recognized much when you run along there? It happens from time to time. I uh, one day a few years ago I ran out from where I, I work at Navy Pier. God oh. help me, which is right on the lake. <laughs> sure. and one day after work I decided oh, I'll go for a run before I go home. So I threw on some shorts and I ran outside, and uh, and these people recognized me. Peter, come with us. We're running with Dina Castor. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, okay. So I ran with Dina Castor. Dina, I think she had won the 2006 uh, Chicago Marathon, the last uh, American woman to win it. And I think she set a course record. And uh, I was running along with her. It was a fun run that you know some local running store had put on. It was just you know 10k or whatever. And we finished it, and I ran ahead of her and crossed the line ahead of her. <laughs> and then turned to her when she crossed, and I said, "Okay, we're one and one." There <laughs> you go. See. That does happen. And, 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 and it's also you know sometimes I'll I'll go for a run, and then people will say, "Oh my God, I saw Peter Sagan on the lakefront. He looked terrible." <laughs> whatever. Okay, just a few forward-looking questions. Any plans for a ready, wait, wait, go with Peter Sagal 5K this year in Chicago? Yeah, you do that. That's become, a, that's become a big thing. Well, not, I won't say a big thing, but it's a thing I enjoy. Every fall, we do a fundraiser for BEZ, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me's Home Station, where we just invite people to come out and do a, basically a 5K fun run. It's not time. Uh, it's just basically me, and we all run around a few blocks and then go have beer and pizza. And I really enjoy it for, among other reasons, it brings out a different crowd than the usual fundraiser crowd at public radio, which I love. They're slightly younger, slightly more sweaty, <laughs> um, which I appreciate. And it's also fun. It's a way to, I mean, I talk to people who've been every year. I run into people and say, oh, yeah, I did that. It's, it's, it's a very nice way, you know, to, I, I won't say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, to give back a little bit to the running community here in Chicago. Yeah. People can come out and enjoy it, raise money for BBC, hang out. So it looks like it'll be the fourth year in a row, but I couldn't find any uh, info on it for this year. So is that forthcoming? I don't know what's funny. Now, it's funny. I should probably go see. Usually we have the date set. It's always in September. Mm. Well, when I, when I Googled I it, I couldn't. What is, is the guy who used to run it, Don Hall, who was the program director here at BZ for many years, left the station this year. And I, have, I wonder if, 
people have forgotten to pick up that slack. So thank you for the reminder. As soon You're as we're welcome. done, I will go and I will talk to the people. We got to get this set up again. You sure do. You sure do. Because yeah. because uh, like a Google search, I don't know, showed up. You know, like a Facebook page for like the 2014 one, and there was some info on it for 2016, but I couldn't find anything for 2017. So. Yeah. Yeah. Get on that. So, so, all right. So, um, are you able to share any deets about your upcoming book about running to be put out by well, Simon? Yeah. And- the book, which, um, is tentatively titled keep going. It's funny because, uh, you know, I've been working on this book for five years, uh, off and on mostly off. And <laughs> just this week, if everything goes well, I'll be submitting the manuscript to the oh. editors. So that's pretty exciting. Oh, that's great. The book is called tentatively, although I think it'll end up being this keep going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it changed a lot from when I first submitted it to my publisher, you know, many years ago. When at that time it was going to be just, you know, a, a middle-aged midlife crisis runner's guide to being a middle, middle-aged midlife crisis runner. <laughs> uh, but then a lot of things happened, including the difficulties with my family, but most importantly, the, the Boston Marathon bombing. <laughs> if you were to Google my name and the moth, you'd come across um, a story I told for them about the marathon bombing. <laughs> Some of the some of which I've told you now about running it with William Greer and being a hundred yards away and so on and so forth, and uh, that story became was really quite popular. People responded to it um, quite positively, and basically I've expanded that into a book. The book begins with that day in 2013, and it ends a year later when I ran the 2014 Boston Marathon, um, and everything that happened sort of in me and my life and the bombing and various things I learned along the way, including lots of stories about running and places I've been and things I've done and such wisdom as I have to offer. Oh, awesome. When's it due to come when's it due to come out? I have no idea. When the book is when the book is uh, when the book is accepted by my editor and he says, Yes, we can publish this, he presumably would tell me by when he thinks it will be published. All right. All right. Well I, I suspect a lot of listeners will be looking for it. So, yes. so thanks a ton for joining us, Peter. This was fun. My pleasure. I, and uh, and pl- uh, plaudits to you and all of your fans for your, uh, what's the word, determined persistence. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, and please keep in mind uh, my offer to, uh, to show you some of the side trails off of Leif Erikson when you come that out next. That would be awesome. The next time I am in Portland, and sadly I don't have any plans right now, but the next time I'm there, uh, you know what, I will get in touch and we'll go for a run. Oh, good. I tried to. I saw Alonzo Bowden when he was out here. I wish my running partner and I and our husbands went and uh we tried to get him to start you know like telling you like answer sarah's tweets like she's not crazy (laughs) so it was a long campaign so uh so good 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 all right well thanks a ton peter thank you so much take care bye-bye guys i thought that was a great conversation it was really fun he's uh you know just as poised on a podcast as he is on wait wait don't tell me not that i expect it to be otherwise but um yeah but yeah so many good stories and so um yeah, yeah. It's, it was just, it's fun. It's fun yeah. to know that he, he's a real person. I mean, you can tell, obviously, when he's on the show that he's very approachable and um, can laugh at himself. Well, that's so. what that's what Adrian was saying, was how incredibly generous he is after the show with his time and just talking to every person who wants to talk to him after the show and take pictures or whatever. Oh, does he really? Oh, okay. Well, so he came to Denver again, and I missed him the second time. I wasn't aware of when he came, but my kids um, just adore that show. Like oh, any time, yeah. I'm like, you want to do a podcast? <gasps> yeah, wait, 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 wait. Is there a new one out? So, um, so I hope he comes back again. Peter, please come back again if you ever listen to this, and um, I will definitely take the kiddos because um, they would love it. I know. I think it's so dear that your kids love it. So, it, see if it all ties back to you know. See, your kids do like you know quiz shows and game shows. Oh yeah, exactly. They do they do like it? They do like it. Absolutely, it's good family time. Yeah. 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 family time all right well take us over to the train like a mother club dim well so i just have some props um i'm gonna head to the ultra plan which i don't think i've um read from the ultra I don't plan think I yet have either, no. um yeah so julie is in it um and she says it is 9 45 and normally by now i'm laying in bed and about to go to sleep but today a run in strength today was a run in strength day and a day that i had all the things work chauffeuring children around a grocery store animal services her chickens and dogs are now legal so that's exciting um dinner dance recital and just now i got my strength training done bam day two in the books off to shower and to bed how's everyone else fitting in she asks so um so congrats julie for getting day two done yeah the the strength circuits in the ultra plan are um uh, we've got six of them, I believe, by the end of the 24 weeks, uh-huh. and um, they are definitely a little bit longer than the SSSCs that we put into the other ones that Coach Mary Catherine, uh, Coach MK has designed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, 
you're going to be out there for 50k or 50 miles. You got to have, you know, the legs to carry you. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, oh, good, good, good. So I did some strength this morning uh, after my foam rolling in the bathroom. I uh, held a plank. I did some squats. Did some push-ups. So, because uh, I'm uh, just good. finished week two in the bathroom, huh? Well, we have um, our our house was um, it it has some bogus bonus space let's say that um uh uh, have you never seen it so we have like a two-part bathroom where um there's the shower and the toilet and the um double vanity but then there's a room off of it that used to be a uh, sleeping porch and so it has um a jacuzzi sized tub in it and then then has space next to it which is carpeted which um and so uh i do my foam rolling in there and um it has a lot of windows and it has skylight so it's at least it's pleasant. Um, so, Perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and, and it's, your, it's your exercise studio. Don't call it the bathroom. Call it your exercise <laughs> there studio. There we go. I oftentimes daydream about what I would do if I were redesigning the house and like, oh, I'd make this my office. It would be so pleasant, or you know. So okay, so now I'll call it the exercise studio. Very good. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, just today we release a survey to the Mother Runner tribe in hopes of being able to better serve you and have a better picture of who's in our community. There are even a few questions about this podcast so dim and i would be mighty grateful if you'd take 10 minutes or less to answer the survey you can find it on our website at anothermotherrunner.com survey again that's anothermotherrunner.com survey and many thanks in advance and many happy miles to you yeah excited for you to run with peter mm-hmm, me too <laughs> <laughs>